Find the show on Facebook. Just search Western Reserve Radio. Download the Live 365 or TuneIn apps or just go to westernreserveradio.com. Coming up in a few minutes, Ryan will join me on the show. We'll talk Cleveland Browns and the National Football League because we are two days away from the beginning of the NFL football season with the Chiefs and Texans playing on Thursday night. The Browns will play Monday at 1 o'clock in Baltimore against the Ravens, and the Steelers will play... The the Browns will play Sunday at 1 o'clock, excuse me. The Steelers will play Monday night in the first of the NFL doubleheader for opening weekend. Here on Western Reserve Radio this weekend, we've got a pair of high school football matchups for you right here on Western Reserve Radio uh, with the coach Bob Gessler and Jim Craven. It will be McDonald in Springfield right around 645. Both teams come in 2-0 and on the young season. Over on Western Reserve Radio 2, a pair of 1-1 one one teams as Tim Continenza and Matt Amsh bring your Ursuline and Boardman. Both those teams 1-1 one one on the young season. So that is the high school football schedule this week here on Western Reserve Radio. We'll get you the high school football top five for week three, a combination of Matt Emsch and Just Football and myself here by all means with Mark Means. And we come up with that every week and talk about it on both of our shows. And we'll get you that top five coming up near the end of today's show. We lead things off with some big breaking Cleveland Browns news, and we will get to that following today's timeout. When we come back, we will look at can the NFL finish the entire year without playing in a bubble? Is it the Chiefs' Super Bowl to win? Should we just hand them the Lombardi Trophy now? Or can another team give them a run for the money? We'll take a timeout. When we come back on the other side of this break, we will have Ryan join us on the phone as we talk NFL right here on you're listening to WRDB, Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting, Youngstown, Orange, Salem, and around the world. Right back here on By All Means on Western Reserve. And putting on the orange and brown has been the dream growing up being able to make it official and play my heart out for the city I love for the next few years is a blessing. Today, I'm honored to sign this extension with the Cleveland Browns and play next to my dog brothers for years to come. Thank you to Mr. and Mrs. Haslam, Andrew Berry, Coach Stefanski, and the entire Browns organization for continuing to believe in me through the process as an integral part of the offensive scheme. To everyone that has supported me, my family, mentors, friends, and the field team. Thank you for continuing to be my eye. So Kareem Hunt, the new the Cleveland Browns announcing a two-year contract extension with him today. And that is another strong move by the Browns, extending one of their best offensive weapons for two more years. Yes, absolutely. 
it was really nice to see that. I didn't actually think that they were going to extend him so soon. I thought maybe they'd see how this season went, see what some other teams would offer him, but to see him get that two-year extension, so now that that's basically, you know, we have him for three years. We have him this season and then two more after this. And it also gives you some security, too, where, you know, God forbid something would happen to Nick Chubb, but now at least you know you have another guy in-house, almost like they did with Case Keenum with Baker, to where, you know, if there's an injury, not that you would ever want to see that or anything, or they couldn't come to an agreement with uh, an extension with maybe Nick Chubb. It's nice to see that they have actually, A, created depth at positions that are very important, and, B, they're taking care of guys uh, within the organization. So it's nice. Yeah, it's one of those things we haven't seen Browns teams do in the past, and it makes me wonder, you know, the last couple of weeks, Ryan, the media has only been able to watch the, what, the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of practice. We all imagined what it could potentially look like to have a Chubb-Hunt backfield together. Didn't get that a lot last year. I'm wondering if we get more of that here in 2020. I would think so. I think that you can do a lot of creative things with those guys. I think Kareem Hunt's going to be almost a – pseudo-wide receiver at times. I think they're going to try to get him to the, the ball in space a lot. I mean, you could put them both in the backfield, one line one up as a wide receiver, do a, a jet sweep. I mean, there, there are endless possibilities with this offense. I don't know how long it'll take for us to see the entire offense at full force because, you know, they, they're a little behind the eight ball without having OTAs and things like that. But there is going to be a point in the year with those two guys and everything else they have offensively. I think we're going to be very, very happy with what this team can look like. You know, look at the numbers for Hunt in just eight games last year. He finishes second on the team in rushing and third on the team in reception. So it tells me one of two things. Either he played very well the last eight games of the year, or there's really not a lot of of other offensive talent, and he was able to jump to the forefront to be among the team leaders only playing half the year. Well, I mean, last year we really operated without a, a tight end of any value. Uh, you know, and Joku got hurt, and the other guys weren't necessarily big weapons. I mean, you had your red zone target with, uh, oh, man, I can't remember the guy's name. He went somewhere else. But I think he came from Kansas City when we had him. Uh, I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. But either way. He's gone. You know, no now, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, now we are seeing depth behind just Jarvis and Odell and Nick Chubb. And you're going to see – Peoples Jones or Higgins, you got Hooper now to go with Njoku. So you might be right on it's either, you know, there was a lack of depth on the offense that Kareem Hunt was able to come in, or, I mean, let's face it, up until he got into uh, his issues, he was, you know, the the running back for the league. I mean, he was the, he was one of the, if not the best running back, really talented. So to see him jump that high up, with the other guys is, is really not that big of a you know surprise, but we'll see. I mean, it's they got a lot of mouths to feed on the offense this year, so I'm I'm really curious to see how they do that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of potential targets, a lot of people that are going to want their touches. But if they're winning, that'll hopefully cure that problem as long as you win football games. So here's my question before we go to break, Ryan. We saw a bubble in the NBA, a bubble in the NHL, no bubble in baseball, and no bubble in football. Football, for the most part, has gone pretty well with their testing, except for the one day half the league got scared by those false positives that came up. And I know the Browns had several of them among a lot of other teams on the East Coast. 
Do you think we can play the entire year without being in a bubble? I hope so. I, I mean, I really hope that, you know, as we get into fall and, you know, closer to winter, you know, a vaccine comes out or something like that, and we can kind of not have to worry about having the season move to a bubble. I, I think there are some plans, or at least they were discussing plans in the NFL and Major League Baseball to where if for whatever reason they weren't able to finish the year, you know, in stadiums and home parks or whatever, that they could transfer for the playoffs into a bubble. I'm just going to hold out hope that things, you know, as we get into the fall winter, uh, scientifically will improve and that maybe this isn't as much of a concern. But I, I do hope, just in case, that both leagues have uh, bubble contingency plans, if you will. So we got about three and a half minutes before the break. If I give you the choice, and a lot of times this is done with Tiger Woods or the field, I'm going to ask you, do you want the Chiefs or the rest of the field for a Super Bowl championship this year? Ooh, I might go with the field. Uh, we haven't had a back-to-back winner since, what, maybe Dallas or New England? I think New England in the early 2000s. Was that the last time there was a back-to-back? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's just really hard to win back-to-back uh, Super Bowls. So not that I don't think the Chiefs couldn't be the first team to do it in about 20 years. But it's just really hard to do. Some, you know, there are a lot of good teams out there, and I, I'm going to go with the field. Yeah, you know, it's one of those where I mean, it's it, it's interesting because as I look at the, the the AFC, I don't I mean the Patriots will probably still win that division. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But you know, it's one of those where who are the other teams that jump up? Can Baltimore do what they did last year without Lamar Jackson running as much as he did last year? There's good teams in the AFC, but it seems like it might be the Chiefs. I think they might have even gotten better defensively. You know, they've got that young running back out of LSU, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that's going to step in and can almost be, you know, your your three down back where they can throw him the football. I mean, everybody's going to be gunning for the Chiefs from week one on Thursday all the way through the rest of the year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're Houston playing them Thursday night, it's going to be – I mean, can you imagine how many people are going to watch this football game on Thursday night? I mean, it's going to be insane. And if you're Deshaun Watson and these guys, you know, you just – you're making $40 a year now with that extension. How nice would it be if you're Houston to go out there and upset the Chiefs week one on Thursday night? Yeah, the ratings for that game are going to be absolutely phenomenal. When we come back from our first break, Ryan and I are going to look at the Browns' schedule and we'll give you a realistic thought of what they could potentially do for this entire season. Maybe we focus in on the first half a little bit more as the Browns open up Sunday at 1 o'clock in Baltimore against the Ravens and then come home for the first Thursday night game of the regular Thursday night schedule hosting the Bengals. And, of course, crowds are going to be allowed in the First Energy Stadium, home of the Cleveland Browns, just not very big ones. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll continue on our NFL preview show of By All Means right here on Western Reserve Radio and streaming live at westernreserveradio.com. You're listening to Western Reserve Radio, the radio home of the Youngstown Phantoms, part of the Live 365 Network and SB Nation. Episode 
episode 24 of By All Means here on Western Reserve Radio continues, brought to you by Mill Creek Golf Course. Mark and Ryan talking NFL. And I'm, I'm trying to be as realistic as I can, Ryan, and I look at the first eight games for the Browns before they have the bye week in week nine, and I think there might be five wins for this football team in their first eight games. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do my best to try to calm my fandom down and use some reason. I don't know what we're going to look like in the beginning of the year just based on the fact that there's so many unknowns. If, if we were a team that was bringing back the same coaching staff and we were already well on our way, I, I think we would be, you know, in good shape early in the year. I'm just – my only concern, and it's, you know, it's kind of a big one, is with the lack of OTAs, the lack of off-season programs. I mean, I know they did everything online, but let's face it, I mean, that's not exactly how you learn football. So my no. my concern is too is I, I think I read recently that they're not even sure yet who's calling plays. Now that's probably not much of a big deal, but it's kind of also saying to me that you know th- it might be a few weeks before they get this all worked out, just based on the fact new coach, new system, new GM, new players. Uh, Baker, unfortunately. Because, you know, you put on that orange helmet and it, you just get sucked into the vortex. What's this? Is Stefanski's his, you know, fourth, third? What is this now? How many head coaches has he had in his three years? He had Hugh Jackson, uh, Greg Williams for a minute, uh, Freddie Kitchens, and now you got Kevin Stefanski, and this guy's not even in his third year yet. So I yeah, do that's think... That's a lot that's of coaches. A, yes, that's, that's sort of... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I do think that at some point this season you're going to see a really good Browns football team. I just look at that schedule, and, you know, you're on the road Baltimore week one. You did win there last year, so that's good. Uh, Baltimore, I don't believe, still is having fans, so that should maybe even it out a little bit. Um, Then I don't like the Cincinnati game Thursday. I just – I feel like you're at Baltimore – that's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a physical game. You're coming back. You're at home. And I think the Bengals are not going to stink. I, I think you're going to see the AFC North sort of look like what the Indians are going through in the AL Central. Because Pittsburgh's got the best defense in the league. They got Ben back. They are not going to be an 8-8 football team. I, I'm, I'm hoping that you're, you're right. And, you know, that first nine eight, nine games or whatever, they can get five or so wins because my fear is is they're kind of behind the eight ball with everything, and it's going to take them several weeks to catch up. So hopefully they can get a couple of those wins early on so they're not trying to dig themselves out of a hole after, you know, week eight or nine. I mean, you look at it, and I'm trying to look at it from a, from a talent perspective, like who has more talent on the field. I mean, the, the Bengals will have their own issues. Yeah, their coaching staff is in year two, but they've got a rookie quarterback that hasn't you know, taken any real live action this entire time for that game in week two. The Washington football team is in shambles. They've basically got a rookie quarterback and you know, a, a very young group of running backs. Dallas on October 4th out there, don't feel good about that game at all. Indianapolis could be a coin toss. It depends on how many picks Rivers decides to throw in that game. 
Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, we know that that's a you know, house of horrors and things don't go well there. You've got the Bengals on the road, and then you come back and you finish up against uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, and I, I really I don't know don't what, know what like to expect from them either. No, I have no idea what's going on out in L.A. I mean, the, the last thing I heard about them was John, uh, uh, what's his name, Chucky, Mr. Gruden lied to his team about him having COVID to see how they would react, and I'm thinking, well, that's a pretty interesting offseason you're running there, pal. So I don't really know what to expect from the Raiders. It's such a strange week, uh, year because we haven't seen any preseason games. We haven't been able, you know, you and I have taken a couple trips up to Berea to see the team practice, and you know what happened the one time when we left. And we were like, oh, Fizz, we're going to be really poor at football, and I don't think we won a game. So um, we just, and I'm being polite with Fizz. You are. I know, but I know that we used different words when we were leaving there. And, um, I just, it's so strange because we really, other than what you would hear about in camp, have no idea what to really expect from these teams. And I hope you're right when it comes to teams like Washington and maybe the Colts where just based on what they've been going through. And I mean, Phillip Rivers did not have a good year last year when it came to how his arm looked and everything. So I'm, I'm hoping that what you're saying is right. Like, okay, Cincinnati does have a rookie quarterback. Yeah, their coach is in year two, but the new system for him, Washington, I don't even know. I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do. And a team like Vegas, no idea what to expect from them. So I think you could say both ways. It could be that these teams won't be able to progress because of the situation, or are they going to come out? and surprise people because you, you've seen it. It's, it's where you don't have a good tape on anybody and you, you're expecting one thing, and then next thing you know, they're, they're totally different that week. So I, in a strange way, this could be the most compelling year because we just don't have that baseline of information we usually have from all the teams. You don't have that information for anybody. I mean, you flip the page to week 10, you go back-to-back at home with Houston and Philadelphia, who should be good football teams. You travel to Jacksonville, and they've pretty much got – if you have any talent in playing the game of football, the Jaguars have gotten rid of you. They're trying to go over, it seems like. I'm sorry? I said I don't think they're trying to win a game. No, no, they, they, they want a very high pick. The Titans I'm intrigued by. I don't know if they can do what they did last year. Then you've got Baltimore at home on Monday night, back-to-back trips to New York to play the Giants and Jets, and then hopefully what is a meaningful football game at home on January 3rd against Pittsburgh. I'll tell you what, too, you know, you bring up New York. I don't know what the New York teams are going to look like. I mean, it's, it's – are they going to be able to take a step? Uh, Jones is they, – they're, they're thinking big things for him with the Giants. And, you know, we've went back and forth a million times, you know, with the Jets, with, you know, them picking their quarterback. And I think they were 7-9 and nine last year. And I have no idea what to expect from the two New York teams. A month or so ago, I would have said, oh, you know, these are going to be two wins. You know, they, they should be able to beat these teams. But – Again, like I'm hearing people somehow projecting um, uh, the guy that, that the Giants hired, 
is their head coach that nobody heard of from New England. Like, they're saying he might end up being the coach of the year if he gets the quarterback to play well. I, I, I feel like the biggest flip-flopper on the planet. I have no idea what to think our final record's going to be. I, if it was a normal circumstance, I'd probably stick with my 10-6. and six. But I'm just not sure now. I mean, what do you think? You know, that's the thing. I think the first couple of weeks, maybe even the first month of the year, could be bad football as we come to know the NFL. But it's going to be football. It's going to begin on time, unlike, you know, uh, Major League Baseball did and how hockey and the NBA had to kind of put themselves on the back burner during all of everything going on with COVID. But as we wrap up with you, I'm going to tell you something I know you've been waiting for, and I'm going to do it publicly. Are you ready? Oh, oh, I'm excited because I think I know what it is. You have been right the entire time, and Tyler Naquin is not bad at playing Major League Baseball. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. (laughs) Notice I didn't say he was good. I said he's not bad. No, that's – hey, listen, I didn't push it, did I? I'll take it. I'll take take exactly what you said. You said he's a Major League Baseball player. Good enough for me. He should be playing every day in right field. I would have Naylor playing every day in left field. And what the hell, play Mercado or DeShields out there in center field. I'm good with either one. No, I will say this. uh, The Indians have really answered a lot of questions that we had. I am – I think both of us kind of had him in, what, the 35-ish win range, something like that maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe I think you had him around 33. Um, Man, they're playing – they're a good baseball team, Mark, and I'm going to keep my mouth shut because you know what happens when I open my mouth with teams (laughs) I like. The opposite happens. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at them going, man, they got as good a chance as anybody. They really do. And they have a huge weekend this weekend coming up in Minnesota against the Twins for three uh, that are really going to go a long way. We're not going to get any help, unfortunately, because the White Sox are playing the Pirates the next couple of days. I hope the Pirates beat them. I don't think they will, but I hope the Pirates can you know help us along here a, a little bit with what's going on. But you know what? Let's be blunt about it. Our division is good enough that the top three teams in the Central are all going to the playoffs. Yeah, they probably are. And, you know, for all those people over the years that said the Indians beat up on a weak division, well, now what? Because to me, it looks like we have the most competitive division in baseball. And the Tigers are actually good this year, too. I mean, okay, they're not yeah. good. They're better. <laughs> yeah, but if you look at the wild card standings, I think they're only a couple games out. Like, they could realistically – you know, if they just keep playing the way they are and a couple teams in front of them fall off a little bit, realistically, our entire division could make the playoffs, which would be something else. And, you know, I know that people didn't like the sunshine trade. Every, they always get It's the same thing with Indians fans. They make a trade. They trade. We trade one of our guys that people are familiar with, and people get sad because they don't know who they traded for. And then you watch what they did. And I and you see you've got a left fielder now every day, and you've got some other pieces you can work with down the road. And, heck, people were sad when we traded Mejia. I don't think anybody would give uh, up Reyes for Mejia again. And No. You know, and you know I, what, Ryan? We're uh, up against the break, so we are going to let you go. We know you're very busy today. Appreciate the time, as always. We'll have you back on next week. We're going to take a timeout here on By All Means. When we come back, we'll talk a little high school football with the play-by-play voice here of Western Reserve Radio, Jim Craven. We'll do that next, right after this.
Radio on WesternReserveRadio.com. By all means, here on Western Reserve Radio, presented by Milk Creek Golf Course, continues on the phone. We've got the play-by-play voice of the Springfield Tigers right here on Western Reserve Radio. And, Mr. Craven, what a start for the Tigers. They've given up one touchdown in two games. Yeah, what an outstanding start. Defensively, they're playing just as well as the offense is, and uh, they don't give up much. Last week was a bend-but-don't-break type of defense, but still managed to get a shutout over Western Reserve. So they've got a, a another good matchup for them against McDonald on Friday here on Western Reserve Radio. McDonald comes in two and zero. Springfield's two and zero. But you know when I look at the schedule for the regular season, I mean who is left to really challenge them? It looks like McDonald might be the last team that's going to give them a run for their money. Yeah, certainly looking at it, I would certainly expect that once they get past this week that this could be a walk into the playoffs. Now, keep in mind, everybody's making the playoffs, but this could be easily a 6-0 and team going back to the playoffs this year and maybe even a little bit more loaded than last year. Yeah, you know what? I haven't had a chance. I've listened to every game, of course, right here, but haven't had a chance to see them in person. I feel like they might be a little better defensively. What do you think? I think from a team aspect, it's 11 guys to the ball every time, and they might be a little bit more physical than they were last year because not only are they getting to the ball, but they're making an impact every time they do. There's five, six, seven white shirts on a ball carrier. So that might be the difference, That and that certainly would have helped last year in the state championship against Anna. But uh, this this is definitely a physical defense. They'll uh, They'll hit you. You know, you look around the Valley, and a couple of games really jump out at you besides our matchup, of course. And, and one is interesting. You've got Harding and Maslin, who both come in one and one. And uh, the Raiders head down to Paul Brown Tiger Stadium in Maslin for uh, what has uh, – it, it's not a fun place for visiting teams to go, no matter who you are. No, it's a great football atmosphere. If you're the home team in Maslin, it is absolutely wonderful. Uh, I, I believe you and I did the game next last year in week one, um, and, mm-hmm. and you can see the amount of media that follows them. So that tells you a lot about there, but that's going to be a hard place to go. Uh, but you know what? Harding's up for the, always up for the challenge. They never have a schedule that's easy. You never look at their schedule thinking they're going to go undefeated. So you know, I, I grant them all the credit in the world for taking on that kind of schedule and taking on the best because that's the only way you're going to get prepared for the playoffs at that level. You know, I look at Harding, and I think they're an interesting team. They lose in week one. They bounce back with a win against Mooney in week two. I think that team's got a lot of offensive talent, but that's going to be a tough game for them to go on the road and win. Oh, it's going to be tough for anybody. Uh, You know, they beat Mooney last year. Obviously, there's some issues with Mooney going on. They don't seem to be as competitive uh, with with their loss to Steubenville than to uh, Harding, you know, so – but. You know, I think it was good preparation to go into Maslin, if anything else, for Harding. But, uh, you know, again, this is a challenge that they don't back down from. Their staff and their athletic director, they schedule this for them. They expect them to perform at a certain level. And Harding really doesn't uh, disappoint. It doesn't. They don't always come out on top, but they're certainly always in the game. 
You know, another interesting game we'll be keeping our eye on on Friday night is Canfield. They're out to a 2-0 start. They host New Philadelphia. The Quakers are also 2-0. That'll be a nice little road trip for New Philly to head up to Canfield. And uh, Canfield's pretty good every year. They were down a little bit last year, not making the postseason, but they're right back where they have been in years past now. Well, Coach Pavlansky's done a great job with that program. They have been very aggressive in the last three, four years that we've covered them. We've seen games. Uh, they seem to be bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, so this is, and that's, and that's, and I, I credit that to the programs from the seventh and eighth grade level coming up there. And uh, Coach Pavlansky's done a great job, not only at the varsity level, but building it up to that point. Because you see every year now that there's always the next player that steps up. There's that next man up mentality. And uh, they just continue to produce uh, very competitive and good quality teams now. You know, another team I want to talk about is South Range. And, you know, both you and I have a soft spot for Coach Yeagley uh, and everybody there in, at South Range that has taken such good care of us over the years. And that freshman group you and I saw four years ago, led by Jacob Gearing, when he was, you know, our player of the game as a freshman, he's a senior now, verbally committed to Ohio State to play baseball. But he's a pretty good two-way football player leading that team as well. Yeah, you sit there and you think about where the time has gone and how fast that we've seen him develop, uh, being the player of the game and seeing mom get emotional and excited and mm-hmm. the surprise on his face. And now you see him as a leader on that team. And, and I, I think he could go on to, uh, to college and play football. I, uh, I know baseball apparently is his first uh, love there. But nonetheless, I think if he chose to, he could easily be playing uh, at a, at, with a school like Mount Union or, or higher, you know, not to limit him, but – a good quality program like that would be uh, – I, I, I think they'd be very happy to have them. You know, only two teams left undefeated in that NE8 conference, South Range and Hubbard. Uh, you know, the difference being the caliber of competition that the two teams have played. You know, South Range being 2-0, and but they already have a win over Poland. Hubbard opened up with a win over Struthers and then just got by Jefferson last week. Hubbard has Lakeview this week, who has yet to put any points on the board in their first two games. But Niles Southrange and Gerard Poland really jump out of the NE8 this week. Yeah, against Southrange, we, we love to go up there. Uh, Coach Yeagley, one of the class acts in the Valley. Uh, you know, the, he, He's always willing to play along, so to speak, with game prep and, and things of that nature. Hubbard, I'm a little concerned about. Uh, the win over Struthers, I thought, was a great quality win. I don't know what happened last week. Jefferson, I thought they should have done a little bit better against. There seemed to be some kind of struggle there, but they ended up with the win. So we'll see if that's going to be an anomaly, if there were some other circumstances that maybe we weren't all aware of. But, uh, you know, Hubbard, again, another one of those programs that year in and year out you expect to compete for the playoffs. Yeah, you look at Hubbard and, you know, all things considered, you're getting the the three lower teams in the NE8 the first three games. We don't know what Struthers will be, but right now Hubbard does have a win over them. But they finish up at Gerard, at Poland, and home for South Range. We're going to find out what Hubbard's made of those last three games. Yeah, certainly even with the jockeying of all the schedules because of the virus issues and whatnot, they still ended up with a really tough schedule, which again, since every team is making the playoffs, this is something that can only benefit them, win, lose, or draw. You're going to be battle-tested going into that week seven you know, after the six regular season games. And I think you'll see a lot of different teams in week six. So, again, I don't put a lot of stock into what's going on right now. Like, again, last week with 
Jefferson concerned me a little bit with Hubbard, but I think this this is a, an opportunity for teams to develop knowing that in week seven they're going to head to the playoffs and maybe they can approach things a little bit differently. You know, one more game to talk about. And if you're a fan, if you're an old school fan of high school football in our Valley, when Cheney and Fitch get together, it doesn't matter what the records are because that is a game that will have a lot of excitement and a lot of energy. The Cowboys off to an 0-2 start. Fitch playing great football, wins over Boardman and Ursland to begin their schedule at 2-0. and But that is a game that unfortunately – that stadium would be packed at Fitch if they were able to have full crowds on Friday night. Yeah, certainly not going to be the case this year. That was always a game that in years past would open up on a Thursday night and everybody would go there. Players from other teams would go there to see high school football there because it was such a, it was the battle of, of the West side. Uh, but uh, Cheney's struggling a little bit, but Chris Bill's doing a great job with that program, keeping in mind that, Last year, he had the combination of two schools. This year, it's more of his team there. He's developing the players after certain players had gone on and graduated. Uh, but nonetheless, you can throw those out. I don't want to quite equate it to the Mooney-Earthland rivalry, but it's certainly up there And from years past. And the alumni from both schools really appreciate it. It's very nostalgic for them. And it's going to be an interesting week three. Uh, if you kind of look at it, I know some teams had scrimmages. Some did not. So you're either in you know, your fourth game of contact or your third game of contact. Do you think the, the level of football kind of takes a tick up to the next level here in week three? Yeah, certainly, and the coaches would expect that by now. Uh, in week one, you might expect those issues. And to be quite honest, there hasn't been a lot of what I would consider sloppy play. I think it's been absolutely amazing what the, what the coaching staff has done with the players, considering they had limited contact and uh, you know, limited work time with other teams. But for, I, I guess, the totality of the circumstances, it's been pretty good. Uh, we had some flags last week with the Western Reserve Springfield game, uh, but not all of them uh, were the procedures or, you know, the holding in that. These, these were uh, penalties that, you know, you kind of expect in the heat of the battle, but uh, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing crazy. I've been very surprised and very pleased. So in terms of discipline, you've got to say a great job to the coaching staff for getting them prepared uh, with what they've had. I'm sure it had to be a challenge with not a lot of contact. I mean, and you can practice so much, but in in the heat of the moment or a big play, you really, you know, you if you're practicing, you know, your your backup quarterback's trying to use a hard count to draw you off sides. So you, it's really hard to anticipate something like that. But in games like that, and I really think for the most part around the valley, it's been a good level of football despite the limitations that teams have had. Yeah, absolutely impressed. I, I just I was sitting there thinking of, at halftime, and uh, I was talking to Bob Gessler a little bit. And I said this this isn't what I expected coming out of the gate. This is a lot cleaner. Um, certainly, there, I mean, it, it didn't look like there was a lot of missed assignments, anything to that effect. But the only problem is, is you cannot replicate game speed in practice. You just can't do it. The intensity is not there. Uh, the anticipation because you're a little higher, your senses are a little higher because you don't know what the other team is doing. If you're practicing against your team every day, you know tendencies. You know the guy lined up across from you, and you tend to get lazy with that. And that's not because they're a poor study or they're not disciplined. It's just because it's human nature to become so just routine that, you know, when that game comes, you tend to be sloppy. But that has not been the case. And, uh, you know, I, I thought this would be an issue, but. You know, nonetheless, this is uh, this has been great. 
it, it has been one of those interesting years of high school football where you wondered what was going to be and it's been one of those where it's I think the expectations have outlived what we thought it might be early on. You look back last year, Springfield and McDonald played that game at McDonald. It was a 17-point win for Springfield uh, on November 1st at McDonald. And I wonder what to anticipate this year because I, I definitely think Springfield's better. But after following McDonald the last two weeks, I definitely know McDonald's better than what they were last year. So I expect a good game. Yeah, the McDonald is very crisp. Uh, they A lot of their players have developed coming up there. You know, I was watching some of the clips and highlights uh, from what I could find. And, uh, again, the fundamentals look very good with McDonald. Now, I see a lot of – players that when you match them up one for one with Springfield lack a little bit of size could that be the difference they may have to make it up with speed I, I don't know I'll be interested to see how that matchup's going to work out uh, but it, it's a big hill to climb when you're taking on a Springfield team as loaded as they are and you know what I'll say one of the best kickers in the state of Ohio and Clayton Medvedek doesn't hurt for that team either no, and he's getting some opportunities now early in the season to see what he can do under pressure, you know, with guys coming at him. And he has not failed at all. I mean, uh, 52 yards in the first game. Uh, he kicked a 23-yarder in uh, the game against Western Reserve, which now looks like almost like a chip shot. And he is a perfect on PAT. So, again, going into the playoffs, when you're playing those teams, and you, uh, you remember going down to St. Clairsville last year to play, and it was in a 2019 game. And, uh, you know, that could have made the difference right there. It could make the difference this year going into the playoffs. Jim, we will hear you and Coach Bob coming up on Friday for McDonald and Springfield. Appreciate you jumping in for a couple of minutes. We are up against a break here in the next few seconds. When we come back on the other side for our final timeout here on Western Reserve Radio, we'll get you this week's top five high school football power rankings right after this. Courses now open. Experience the Donald Ross Championship design of both courses where you can book a tee time online at MillCreekMetroParks.org. Mill Creek features a newly remodeled golf shop, new cart paths, and is a Callaway certified club fitting facility with demo days. The PGA professional staff is now accepting golf outings and leads. For more information, call 330-740-7112 or stop by and see what all Mill Creek Golf Course has to offer you. Listening to WRDB, Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting, Youngstown, Orange, Salem, and around the world. Welcome back. Wrapping up by all means right here on Western Reserve Radio. Big thank you to Ryan Alessio for joining us, the voice of Springfield Tiger football right here on Western Reserve Radio. Jim Craven, the Jim and Coach Bob will have the game for you Friday night. Big one, undefeated teams in the Valley, McDonald and Springfield, both 2-0. Hear it right here for free on Western Reserve Radio. We wrap it up with our Power 5 rankings for Week 3. And at number 5, Canfield takes on 2-0 New Philadelphia. They are number 5. Warren John F. Kennedy comes in 2-0 and ranked fourth. 
This week, South Range is 2-0. They are third. The Austintown Fitch Falcons pushing for number one. They sit in the number two spot after two weeks. They are 2-0 and ranked number two. And still on top after three weeks, the Springfield Tigers are 2-0 and ranked number one in our top five. So it is Springfield at one, Fitch two, South Range three, Warren John F. Kennedy four, and Canfield five in our Western Reserve Radio High School Football Power Top Five here on Western Reserve Radio. Don't forget Friday night right around 645, Dave, Bob, and Jim will have McDonald in Springfield for you. Dave and I will team up for the postgame show afterwards with McDonald and Springfield. Next Friday, excuse me, next Tuesday, we're joined by Brian Tonar, Director of Golf at Mill Creek Metro Parks. He'll be with us on the 25th episode of By All Means, presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. Book your tee time online now by going to millcreekmetroparks.org slash golf. For executive producer Dave Ferris, I'm Mark Means. You've been listening to By All Means right here on Western Reserve Radio.